Well, good morning. It's a good time to be in the house of the Lord today. And if you're a guest in the house, I agree with Pastor Benton. Just thank you for being here. You honor us. You honor us and you honor Christ. And we're just, we're excited. We're excited about what God's doing and, and, and how the, the church is growing. Um, but before we get into further announcements, I'm going to just a show of hands here real quick. How many people in the room you know of someone who's dealing with sickness right now? There's, okay, a lot of, a lot of people. There's first services, a lot of people as well. And so let's just take a moment and we believe that God is our healer. And, and as our healer, we believe that when we bring our petitions before Him, that He can heal those that we are praying for and that we are believing with. And so I'm going to ask you just to join with me and in your mind as we pray, I want you to just say the name. You can say it out loud. You can say it in your mind, however you feel comfortable. But just say the name of the person or persons that you know are dealing with illness right now, and we're going to pray the prayer of faith and believe that God will heal people that we're praying for and help them to recover quicker or heal them by just divine act. However however he wants to do it, that's why we call him God, because he's God. So uh, let, let's just believe that and let's pray that right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you that you're our healer. You said in your word that by your stripes we're healed, and so we believe that. We accept that. Just as we believe that, Jesus, you are our Savior, we believe that the promises of healing are also true. And so we pray right now for those that are sick, that you would heal their bodies, Lord. Whether you use the doctors and the nurses to do it, we ask you that wisdom and anointing be upon the physicians and upon the nurses and the medical staff that you might be using to bring about this healing. Or if you just divinely heal them by your great power, we just thank you for that. We believe you in that, and we ask you to do that right now in Jesus' name. And let everybody say amen. 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 Uh, I'm, I'm thankful that he is our healer. I'm thankful that we can go to him and that he will take care of his people. Well, this week was a unique week for us in that, uh, in that our elder team and our staff have been working diligently to come up with a plan to implement our third service, and that's because we're growing. We're growing uh, very quickly, and, and you are the brave people that come to the second service where the parking lot's a little bit more dicey than it is in the first service. And so um, you either all drive tanks or you're just very confident. I don't know. Um, and so <laughs> this is the Hummer service. The, uh, <clears throat> and so we're, uh, we're, we're asking you just to continue to move forward. Thank you to all of those of you who are moving forward. I know, I, I see some of you are like, you've been back row people for 20 years and now you're fifth row people and it's amazing. That's, that's, that's progress. And so we, I say thank you for that. And also with the parking lot, if you can help us, uh, you know, just making room for others. You know, if you typically drive 73 ch- uh, trucks to church, <laughs> Bring it down by about 40, and, um, and we'll be good. So, we're making room at the table. Right? That's right. Praise God. So, it, it, it's good. And, and we have come to a decision. We will be starting a third service in the month of January. In fact, it's going to be starting on January the... Oh, yeah, that month, that's for next week. I forgot. That announcement was for next week. Forgive me, Pastor Benton. He said I couldn't say it in this service. Uh, he, said, he said I couldn't in this one. So uh, he said next week we'll make sure that everybody knows all the details. <laughs> that's just fun right there. Um, <laughs> we, we are going to be opening up our new series called Behold. And the reason why 
we are, we are calling it behold is because behold is a call, uh, to observe and appreciate. And we're going to get into that in a minute, but it's, it's about how do we see Jesus? How do we, how do we see him and, and how is he applied to our life? I love the, the family. Thank you for helping us today with the Advent uh, candle and just, just putting into perspective for us what Jesus was doing and what this time and this season means and what it's really all about. You're, you helped today craft how we see, how we behold this season that we're in. It's not just all about presence. It's not just all about uh, getting gifts and, and so on. It's about, it's about beholding a Savior. It's about enjoying our time with Him. And speaking of that, I want to say I'm enjoying the time that I'm spending with my brother-in-law and my sister here from Colorado. It's an honor to have Kurt and uh, Reagan Sorensen with us here. I almost called you Sutton, but you're not Sutton anymore. You're Sorensen. Sorry, Kurt. And so um, we're happy to have them with us today. And we've been uh, exploring Sylvania. Hey, they've got the Rocky Mountains, but that's nothing on Sylvania. I'm telling you right now. Nothing on Sylvania. They don't have a fowl and fodder anywhere in, over there. Not, not one place. They don't have the Toledo Art Museum. Nope, they don't. There are no zoo lights in Fort Collins. I don't, I don't even want to hear it. No, we're having a great time. And, uh, it, it's, <laughs> and we'll have a discussion after church. The... Um, <clears throat> So, we are, we are getting into the Word, and we'll be looking at Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, and John chapter uh, 8, verses tw- verse 12, and ultimately Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And I know if you're a guest here this morning, you're saying, my God, we're going to read the entire Bible. No, it's a very small port, part of Scripture, and we'll be out before lunch. Amen. So everybody can just relax and, and enjoy God's Word. So, in this series, we're talking about beholding... Jesus, or how do you see Jesus? And to see something and to behold something are two very different things. A couple of weeks ago, I got up in the morning and, and I put a shirt together with a pair of pants and I walked over to where Christy was in, still laying in bed and she was uh, waking up, which is a, a extended process. And, and I, I held it up there and I said, Hey babe, the, the, how does this look? Does this look okay? And she said, yeah, that look, that looks great. That looks great. So I, I went on about my day. I made coffee I, and she got ready and, 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 and everything, everything was good until we got to the door, the front door. And I was going, come on, babe, let's go. Baby doll, let's go. Baby doll, let's go. Because, you know, leaving is also a process. And so we got to the front door and I'm standing there and she looks at me and she says, is that what you're wearing? And I thought, no, no, this isn't what I'm wearing. What I'm going to do is go put you in the truck. And as soon as you're in the truck and I've started it to warm, then I'm running back in the house where I'm going to put on what I was actually planning to wear this morning to church. Of course, that's what I was wearing. And I said to her, yes, you, you told me that this worked okay. And she said, I didn't really see it. So I ran back upstairs and I got myself together. And if this doesn't work this morning, I do apologize. I did ask and I think she beheld it. I think. Because to behold something is a call to observe and 
appreciate. And if you're a note taker this morning, there's a place in the middle of the bulletin for you to be able to take some notes and follow along with us today. And, and the fact is that many people have seen Jesus, but failed to behold him. Isaiah was the first to give us kind of a heads up or what we would call a prophecy about the identity of our Savior. And he gave that prophecy to King Ahaz of Judah. Now, King Ahaz was not a good king. He was a very bad king. And he was a king that, that was doing very evil things in front of God and before God. And, and now, now he was in a tough situation, though. So he was kind of calling on the prophets of the day, trying to figure out what he was supposed to do. And, and so he comes to, so Isaiah meets with him and, and says, you, you really need to trust God in this situation. But see, Ahaz knew that there was, there was the, the two kings that were coming against him that had joined forces. And so instead of trusting God, he was trusting the Assyrian king. And the Assyrian king's name was Tiglath, Tiglath-Pileser III. And if you're in, you're, if you're needing a baby name today, maybe that's an option for you. And, and, and so that, that's who he was trusting on that particular moment. And, and God said to him, listen, if you'll trust me, I'll take care of you. But Ahaz wasn't really sure about that. And so Isaiah went a step further under God's guidance. And he said, ask me for anything and I'll give it to you. Ask me for a sign of any kind, as big as the heavens. You ask me for it and I will do it. And King Ahaz said this. He said, I'm not going to go test God like that. Now, he said something that sounded like he was saying something kind of holy, like, I'm not going to test God, you know, God's too awesome and I'm not going to, you know, put him to the test because I respect him. But the reality is he was dismissing God entirely. He was saying, I'm not even going to try it because I don't believe it. And so he dismissed God and God said this through Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. All right, then. The Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So the prophecy says that that Israel would go into physical slavery, but that God was going to bring true freedom ultimately through the Davidic line. That the throne of David would not fall, but it would continue on forever, just as God had promised many, many years ago. So in chapter 7, God uh, declares through Isaiah the virgin birth. And then in chapter 8, he talks about the captivity of Israel. But then when we step into chapter 9, and these are, these are, this is a long, it's a protracted prophecy that, that answered questions for that day and answers questions for this day as well. And now in, in chapter 9, Isaiah begins developing the view of the Savior. He says in Isaiah 9, verse 2, as we read this morning, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep shadows... A light will shine. So, so the light would pierce the darkness and everything would be different. Now Isaiah prophesied this, but we find the fulfillment of this prophecy in the book of John, chapter number 8, verse number 12, where the scripture records Jesus saying this, I am the light of the world. 
He was referencing back to this Isaiah prophecy and saying, I'm fulfilling that right now. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. So in verses 3 through 8, Isaiah declares that Israel would ultimately break from the weight of slavery and there would once again be rejoicing. Now in this biblical study, this little Bible study we're doing in the book of Isaiah right now, it comes to somewhat of a culmination for us today in Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6. And this is the, the text for our series at large. And he says, for unto us, All of this is happening. All of this possibility is real because for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is Handel's Messiah quotes all of this and and lays it out for us beautifully in song. I would sing it for you, but you're not really ready for that just yet. <laughs> and I'm not really ready for that either. But he's saying because of this child, this great light that would shine into the world, that, that freedom would replace slavery. That joy would be replace mourning. That, that hope would replace Hopelessness. All of this would happen because this child was born. So the identity of the Savior is settled. But how you and I see Him determines His level of impact or effectiveness in our lives. Here's our big idea today. Your view of something determines your personal application. How Jesus interacts with your life is completely determinant upon how you behold Him. How you see Him. When my mother-in-law beholds Christy, she sees a daughter. When I behold Christy, I see a wife. It's the same person. Christy hasn't changed. But how she is viewed is entirely unique to the individual. Joanne, in years past, wanted Christy to eventually leave her house. I do not have that same desire. I want Christy to stay in our house. Joanne, she wanted to see Christy eventually marry someone. Well, I wanted that someone to be me. Very different application. Same person. Joanne wanted Christy to eventually go live a life outside of her. And I don't really share that view. I want to be involved in everything that Christy does until death do us part. Same person, different application. We're looking at the same person, but we're seeing them entirely different. So the question that we're asking today is, how do you behold Jesus? How do you see Him? Because that determines His level of influence in your life. Now, Isaiah 9-6 is an interesting passage of Scripture. If you look all throughout the Scripture, you're going to find different passages where someone says, God is this. They identify God in a particular manner. 
You have it all through the Old Testament as people go through life and God interacts in their world in a particular way and then they begin to see Him or they have a different, unique revelation of who He is. If you go back into the story of, let's say, Abraham, Abraham would say, in my life, He is Jehovah Jireh. Because in Abraham's life, he got up to the top of a mountain, and I don't have time to tell the whole story, but he's at the top of a mountain, he's there with his son, who God had said, I want you to sacrifice your son as an act of faith towards me. And Abraham said, I don't get it, I don't understand it, but I'll do it, God, because that's what you're asking me to do. And he gets to the top of the mountain and beheld, he saw, lo and behold, there was a ram caught in a thicket. And so... Abraham says, this is Jehovah Jireh. He has provided a ram for me, and I don't have to sacrifice my son because the ram is there. If you read about the story of Moses, Moses said, I beheld him as Jehovah Nisi, or the Lord is my banner. The Lord is the one that I, I've, I've got a revelation of Him as the banner that I will follow into battle, that I will live my life under, that I, that I will obey and that I will serve, and, and He is my banner. If you look at the story of Moses, you'll find him, or David rather, you'll find him saying, I, I see God as Jehovah Reah, or the Lord is my shepherd. You see, David had kind of gotten himself out of the flock. He was doing things that weren't so good. And, and yet he saw God guide him back into the flock. And David said, Ooh, I've got a revelation of God and he is God, my shepherd. All of these, all of these applications or understandings of God are real, they're right, and they're applicable in our lives today. But Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 is a little bit unique because in every other passage I've talked about, it is an individual saying, God has interacted in my life this way, and this is the revelation that I have of Him. But in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, this is God saying through the prophet Isaiah, this is the right way to behold this child that's going to be born. It isn't an understanding that man comes to, it's an understanding that God directs. And he says, when my son is born, his name will be called. When you think about him, when you hear his name, Emmanuel, God with us, when you hear his name, Jesus, his name will be called. You will see him. And we find him being seen as wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. And today, I want to try to help us to see him for the next few minutes as wonderful. As wonderful. Do you see him as wonderful today? Now, I have two thoughts for you. And I know that's going to mess up a lot of people's lives because I normally have three. And so, two thoughts for you today, and, and, and then we're going to get out for lunch, okay? So, thought number one is this. Beholding him as wonderful means expanding your mind. Expanding your mind. Wonderful in its essence means full of wonder. I think about it from the standpoint of causing us to wonder. A child will sit there and they will imagine things. One of my favorite games to play whenever I was a kid was I was a rancher. We had horses. 
at times. But I played rancher when I had horses and when we didn't. I would sit there at the table and I would have books of horses all around me and I would, and I would read about them and think about them and I had a, a whole strategy of what we were going to do and how we were going to do it and none of it was real. All of it was in my imagination. And I was filled with wonder at the possibilities that could be there. Driving down the road, you'd, you know, you'd see this little path go back into the woods somewhere or over the hill somewhere, and my mind would begin to wonder about the possibilities. When I think about Jesus, my mind does the same thing. I begin to wonder about when I institute Jesus into the situation, what could happen? When Christy and I are talking about life and we're talking about situations, we're, we're sitting there trying to figure stuff out, and, and it's all within the context of what we know and what we understand. But sometimes we have to take it beyond what we know and what we understand, and we have to start understand. We insert Jesus into the situation, and now, now the possibilities become endless because He's wonderful. He's beyond what my mind can truly comprehend. Isaiah is about to reveal Jesus as mighty God and everlasting Father. But we can't understand Him. We can't behold Him as mighty God or everlasting Father if we first don't recognize that we cannot understand every reality that is wrapped up in Christ Jesus. I had the privilege of doing Monroe Bailey's funeral this past week. And, and, and in that funeral... It hit me all of a sudden heavily that, 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 and I shared with the, the crowd there, I said, I wish I could tell you that I understand it all. I wish I could understand, tell you that, that here's where it begins and, and here's where it ends. And I wish I could say that here's how it, all the pieces fit together and how it all works entirely. And I can't because the day I can do that, I am God. The minute my God becomes comprehensible to me, He ceases to be God in my life at all. I can't grasp everything that is in Christ Jesus. This this idea of Him being wonderful, no matter how you look at Him, He's wonderful. The words wonder, the word there, wonder, it means great or difficult or, or hidden or things too high, things that are too marvelous, things that are miraculous. When I think about Him, it's, it's always expanding. It's never contracting. It's always bigger and greater. So, you see, if He was only a man, then He would still be wonderful because what other man has had the kind of impact that Christ had on earth? If nothing He said was true, He's changed. He's changed history. He's changed the future. He's changed everything. And if he was only a man, that's still mighty impressive. But let's just say if he, that he is who he says he is. That the prophets before him prophesied him to be and wise men after him claimed that he in fact was. Let's say that he was that. Then the idea of God walking on earth in flesh is beyond my comprehension. Both God and man. Son of God, Son of man. It's a marvelous thing. It's a magnificent, beautiful, mind-blowing, spirit-expanding thing. 
He is wonderful. And to see Him as anything less is taking away from Him. Hmm. But seeing Him as wonderful also means accepting and enjoying realities I cannot fully understand. Many of us try just try diligently to, to, to encapsulate the world in little pieces that we can get, that we can understand, because it, it doesn't feel good to be lost and wondering all the time. But if, if I limit my life to only that which I understand, then my life is very small indeed. In fact, I can't use this iPad if I limit myself to that which I can only understand. I can't use it. I can't use my phone. I, I can't drive my car. This morning I got into the truck and I went like this and somehow noises happened under the hood. I put it in drive and it went on like it's supposed to. Somebody said, uh-oh, it was all good. It was the right noises. If you do this and no noise happens, you've got another problem. If I limited my life to that which I can only completely understand, I could not have a conversation with Christy. Just saying. <laughs> One thing I love about the Christmas season, it is just the wonder that I see on children's faces as they walk into a place that is all lit up with lights and, and, and the, the sound of Christmas and the, the feeling of Christmas and the smells of Christmas and the tastes of Christmas. And, and they dream about the things that, that could be coming in the gifts of Christmas. And, and, and there's a wonder in the season. Their imagination begins to run wild and, and suddenly anything seems possible. As adults, I want us to get this. A truth too big for my mind to grasp does not become false. I'm, tr- I'm trying to get this thing about Jesus. Maybe you haven't let Him be your Savior. Maybe you've never asked Him to be your Savior. Maybe you're trying to encapsulate it all and understand how He could even be your Savior. The fact that you can't get Him, the fact that I can't completely understand Him, does not remove the reality of who He is. I just can't get it all. Because He is is wonderful. I can't understand why God would send His Son into the world to live under the law and to fulfill the law. That by the giving of His life, He would sacrifice Himself and, 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 and shed pure blood. And then that would become the propitiation or the the payment for our sins. I I, I can't wrap my head around that and explain that in totality. Because it's too wonderful for me to grasp. But just because I don't understand it doesn't make it false. It's wonderful because it's true. Because I'm willing to accept the realities I can't understand, I get to experience wonders that I do not deserve. And that's thought number two for us today. Beholding Him as wonderful means expecting to experience wonder in life. Remember how you behold something determines your life application and When you see Him as wonderful, 
when you behold Him as wonderful, then you begin to expect wonderful things to happen in your life. And some, some of us deal with issues in our world and, and we, we try to figure out how it's all going to work out. And, and, and sometimes we've learned to expect very little. Because the more we expect, the more disappointed we can become. So we, we look at a situation and we say, well, I think, I don't think many people are going to show up to that or I don't think that's really going to work out that great or wow, we're going to have all kinds of issues in this situation. We're not expecting wonder to happen in our lives. One day I came home from uh, church and, and, and work and, and, and uh, walked in years ago in Sacramento. I walked in and I saw Christy and, and, and heard Talon because Talon was crying. He was crying like a baby because he was a baby. And, <laughs> and so... I said to Christy, hey, why is Talon crying? And she said, he's crying because he's hungry. I said, well, why don't you feed him something? And she said, well, I can't, I don't, there's nothing really to feed him right now. I said, well, let's run to the grocery store and get something to eat before church. And she said, we can't do that because we don't have any money. I was working two jobs. To hear you don't have enough money to feed your children at two jobs, that's not something I wanted to hear. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you that months later, four, three, four, five months, I don't remember exactly, later, I walked into the house, and Christy greeted me, and she said, I wonder who's going to give us $100 this month. Now, $100 is not a lot of money when you have $100. But when you don't have $100, $100 is a lot of money. And she said, I wonder who's going to give us $100 this month. And I said to her, why would anybody give us $100 this month? And she said, come here. Sometimes she finds it easier to just show me than explain it to me. And so she opened up the checkbook and she began to flip through the register. And she said, here, last month, these people gave us $100 right here on this date. She flipped back. You see, this this month, month before, these people gave us $100 on this date. And see, this, this these people gave us $100 on this date. And... And my mind went back to that first moment when I walked in and said, we don't have a, not money and month and food and crying. And, and that particular, that particular, that was a Tuesday night. And in that church, we had Tuesday night services. The Lord has since delivered us from that. But, um, at the time we were still under that burden. And so the, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. And so. <laughs> I had gotten up in front of this congregation with us, about 2,000 people, and I had said, God is good. And they said, all the time. And I said, all the time. And they said, God is good. And while all that was going on, the thought that was in my head was, yes, you serve a good God, and you don't have enough food to put in the belly of that baby, and you don't have enough money to buy the food for that baby who's sitting right back there with your wife, and, and he's hungry, and he's... And I went and sat down in my seat in that service. I just began to worship saying, God, I just, I just, I know you are good. I know you hand, can handle this. I know that you're going to take care of it. And, and I don't know how and I don't know when, but I know it's going to happen. And, and, I, and I just trust you. And, and so I walked down 
to the front of the church after service, uh, walked down to the altar there, and I was talking to some people, and this man by the name of Mike Champlain came walking up to me, and he put his hand, he shook my hand, and he said, Pastor Micah, you're doing a great job. I just want to say thank you for what you're doing. And when he shook my hand, I felt the rolled up dollar bills, at least what I hoped was rolled up dollar bills (laughs) in his hand. Either that or he was passing me a real creepy note. And so I, uh, and so I, uh, I, I, I just tried, I said, you don't have to do, and out of my mouth I was going, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. And inside I was going, yes you do, yes you do. And, 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 and he said, no, I, I feel like God's leading me in this and I, and I just, we just want to bless you because you're blessing us. I said, thank you very much. I went and got Christy. I said, let's go. Let's get in the car. And she knew something was off because I never leave church that early. And so she and so she said, where are we going? I said, we're going to go to the grocery store. She said, we can't go to the grocery store. We don't have any money. I said, just get in the car. <laughs> she has to show me versus explain. Sometimes I have to just take her, you know. And so I said, so just get in the car. So we get in the car. And I said, uh... Mike Champlain just gave me some money. We're going to go to the grocery store. She said, how much did he give you? I said, I have no idea. I just took it and I just slipped it in my pocket. And, and, and so I said, she said, well, how, look at it. I said, I'm not looking at it in this parking lot. And so, uh, and so, and so we pulled out of the parking lot, went down the road a little bit. I pulled over into another parking lot and turned on the dome light and kept it down real low like that. And I counted a hundred dollars. And we went to the grocery store and, and, and we got the money, got the food that we needed and we were fine for the next month. And what I did not realize, for month after month, I was figuring out how to make this work and how to make this happen and, and whatever. And what I realized is that I was looking, I was looking at God as Jehovah Jireh. I knew that He could provide for me, but I didn't know how it was going to happen. And Christy was seeing Him as wonderful. She wasn't trying to analyze it or figure it out. She was just saying, I, I wonder. I wonder who, who's going to give us $100 this month. Well, let's qualify that. Who, why should they give us $100? And, what, and, and No, no. He's wonderful. She was living in a place of peace and I was living in a place of stress. Because she was seeing Him, she was beholding Him as wonderful. There are times when Jesus will step into your life and do something amazing. But when you choose to behold Him as wonderful, placing the expectation on Him, you empower Him to delight you over and over and over again. And I'm just, to us this morning, maybe you're in a place today where you need to remember that He's wonderful. You need to remember that He can do more than you can possibly imagine. Maybe you're in a place where you just, you're lacking a little bit of hope. This little girl that we sang about in the song this morning, she was looking for hope. Ahaz was looking for an answer, and Isaiah was talking about a baby. Don't talk to me about a baby, Isaiah. I I need an army. Yeah. But you don't understand, Ahaz. This baby that's going to be born, he's not going to be like any other baby. And when they call his name, when they say his name, they're going to be saying something wonderful. I'd ask you that this week, Look for wonderful in your life. 
If you're on social media, I'm going to ask you to use the hashtag wonderful and post it. Let it be a testimony to other people. If it's too personal, don't do it. But sometimes reading the great things that God's doing in your life allows me to believe for what I need to see the wonderful one do in my life. I'm going to use it this week. I'm going to find places in my world where wonderful is happening. And I'm going to talk about it. I encourage you to do the same thing. You say, well, that's just, I mean, that's a social media thing. I mean, that's what a gimmick. No, you want to know what it is? It's an expectation. It's saying, I am looking for wonderful to happen. Could be this morning that the answer for your issue is just too wonderful for you to understand. But if you can behold him as wonderful, then wonderful can gain a place in your life. And I ask you to bow your heads with me right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for the sacrifice for us. Thank you. Thank you for being bigger than anything that we can imagine. You said you could do anything greater than we could ask or think. And, and my mind can go a long way. But your ability surpasses it completely. You're wonderful, Lord. I pray that you help us to see the wonder that you are. To expect it in our lives. And allow it to be applied in our world. I pray for those who are hurting right now. That they would see wonderful is with them. And though they can't imagine something so incredible occurring, that the possibility remains true anyway. I pray for those who are living strong right now. They're not hurting in any definable way, but, but because you're wonderful, you allow their minds to go further than where they're at, to dream even bigger, to see even greater things. And to know that greater is even possible because when my mind goes there, wonder is still a step away. He's still going before me. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand at our feet. The team's going to sing. Elders are going to come forward. If you need to pray... This morning, if you need to join with somebody in prayer, it doesn't have to be anything to do with this sermon. But if you want to just have join with somebody in prayer about sickness, about family issues, about whatever it may be, we just encourage you. Come forward and let God touch you this morning. We're going to sing.